Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Welcome to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. You're about to meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events, and emerged triumphantly. They're people just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Here's Frankie to show you how. Yeah, don't stop. I know you're unstoppable. Mary Pat knows you're unstoppable, too. (laughs) Welcome to Mission Unstoppable Radio. Today, we are going on a new mission to where leaders get inspired, business transforms, emotional intelligence is the word of the day. My guest today transforms CEOs and their teams into emotionally intelligent leaders. We're going to find out more about what that means. Mary Pat Knight is the founder and CEO of Leaders Inspired, and she is known as a transformation strategist and an expert in emotional intelligence and human resource leadership. Her mission is to inspire businesses to transform, to transform and develop solid leadership, remembering that when you are inspired in the workplace, you inspire the world. And I love that, Mary Pat. I love that because I'm all about inspiring the world. Right. So how do we, how do, well, I want, we're going to jump into all of that, but this is Mission Unstoppable and we have yeah. to find out how you got to be unstoppable. Yay. Um, so when you, we're going to go back to when you were little. Yeah. And I know a few little things, but not everything. So when you were like a little, little girl, three to five years old, doing whatever you were doing, imagining your life, you know, what were you imagining? What were you going to be when you grew up? You know, I always knew I was going to be something um, that would change things. Oh, okay. I mean, I really knew it at at a younger age. So um, I think that's, I was drawn very early to dance, to um, the theater, to singing. Um, My transformation was going to come through the arts from a very early age. So, but I always, I always thought I was in, I make believe I was the best um, doll mommy. We would create little lending libraries in the basement of my grandmother's house. And we would, my, one of my favorite memories is as a a early entrepreneur, uh, (laughs) we went around the apartment building and we sold raffle tickets for a picture of the Virgin Mary. (laughs) 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 My my parents didn't like that very much, (laughs) (laughs) but there was nothing going to stop me from expressing myself. And um, that that's why I'm really committed to nothing stopping you from expressing yourself. I love that. And so this, this creativity, this, I'm going to be, I'm going to be up to the world. I'm going to, you know, you went into theater. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. How did that turn out for you? Well, you know, really, I'll tell you from the age of, well, I started dancing when I was really young. And so it was such great expression for me. Um, A great outlet physical, physically and emotionally for me as well. Um, And then I was introduced to the theater um, in school when I was 12. And I didn't stop doing theater from the age of 12 to about 32. Um, wow. Expanded out. Yeah. So my entire teenagehood, pre, pre, you know, adolescence to teenagehood to early adulthood was really wrapped up in um, my, my mission um, to be a Broadway star. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you were, and you, you, you did musical theater. I did musical okay. theater and I did straight theater and I did some film and some TV as well. Wow. But I, but I got stopped in my mission. So okay. um, who stopped and, you? 
The universe stopped you? Oh, you stopped you. I stopped. Yeah, I stopped me. And I think actually this led me into some of the work that I do today is because I started to embrace some society beliefs that maybe I couldn't have the life that I wanted to live and have that big dream of mine as well. And so like many of us, I found a way to put myself into a small box. And um, and my journey um, since that time has been to uh, fight my way, lead my way, um, love my way out of that box. Well, you said that you're, you know, a really good student of human behavior. And you, and you would be because to act, you need to express and to model all of that. So what is it that you look for, um, you know, when you're, when you're in a group setting or working with the people that you work with even, when people are speaking to you, what are you, what are you looking at thinking, oh, okay, I know who they are. Or are you saying maybe if they did this or what, what, what are the attributes that you look for? Well, first of all, I think, um, and, and for any of us who are out there in the world doing this, like you're, you're doing this as well, is I think there's an innate sense of curiosity on the part of us who are you know, facilitating in some way or looking to facilitate some growth or change. And the curiosity has to stay really active because the curiosity is what links us to intuition. When we become certain or, or we become um, the teacher of the teacher, you know, we become we take on that teacher mode rather yeah. than curious about you as a human being, then we're going to start to make some judgments or assumptions or connections that are actually through our own filters that haven't been cleaned yet. Yeah. So what I like, so just, just a precursor to your question is let's stay in a curious stance and let intuition come through. And then you're going to see some tells, you'll see some behavioral tells, you know, you're going to, I'll, I'll be able to pick up when I feel someone is shutting down or I'll be able to pick up when I feel someone is pushing because they want me to like them or the, 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 the people to like them. And um, then it's my job to get curious about why that's showing up and then lovingly help them. I like find, that. Lovingly help them. Lovingly help them find something more authentic a more authentic expression. Yeah, it's it's very interesting, and you're absolutely right about being in teacher mode. Then you're automatically almost really in in judgment, or I know and you don't. And and I think that I think we talked about this before, maybe. But the idea of leadership in business has has kind of that hierarchical father mother has kind of gone to a more facilitative role, and and leadership is kind of bringing people along, isn't it? It's, it mentoring them and, and helping them move up the ladder too. It could be. And I think actually I read an article. Gosh, I wish I, I wish I had pulled it up and I read it this morning. As a matter of fact, oh, okay. I woke up in the middle of the night or whatever. Um, but it, it talks about, uh, they're talking about reverse leadership and they're talking about how do those of us and, you know, I'm, I'm a baby boomer, you know, how those of us who are, you know, in a baby boom environment who have been the leaders or been the bosses, how do we, how do we reverse engineer the leadership so that those people who are coming into the workforce, who frankly may know a lot more than we do, Mm -hmm. how do we then become a student of our own selves and allow that generation to lead to some new discoveries? Now, I actually think that's, that's very humbling. It's, it it's, is. It's leveling, though. So the leadership model that you're talking about that says, I'm the boss. So what I do is I help you transition from being the boss to being a personal, personally developed leader, from leader from the inside out. And the boss mode goes away. Yes. Do you set expectations? Does the organization, does the organization pay you to set strategy and, and hold strategy? Absolutely. 
But how you do it doesn't have to be the boss telling anymore. It's really more collaboration and connection and communication. And I think that's that reverse leadership thing might get us there. It's kind of interesting, like what's going on in the U.S. right now with the really unfortunate things that happened in Parkland with, with the student shooting. Yeah. Look what's happening. Those uh, in positions of power, okay, the positions of power, oh, I can't do anything because we're going to violate whatever right there is. Or, oh, I can't do anything because that's just the way it is. And the students are saying, absolutely not. You follow our leadership because we're going to change the world now. Right. And if we're smart, we're going to follow them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I went on a rampage. (laughs) No, I know. I'm really glad that you did because I think it's really smart. And, you know, did you read the one about the teacher, the the teacher who who said – Every, every Friday, she, she put cards out and asked the students, like, who, who, who would you vote to be your best friend? Or who do you think did the most this week? And who do you, you know, that kind of thing. And she did it to find out who's the loner, who's the one that you don't like, so that she could get that child and help that raise that child up, because that's the one that's going to turn into the misfit, that's going to turn into the one who's going to shoot everybody, probably, you know, I mean, unfortunately, unfortunately, that's, that's, that's what's been shown, right? That's yeah. stereotype. So, you know, it, the kids do know they're not stupid. Kids are smart, wicked smart. Yeah. And yeah. now look at the teacher. I love the, I, I hadn't heard that story before, but if you look at the teacher, that is actually really cool, Frankie, because that's conscious leadership. Yeah. That's someone saying, I'm not asleep here. I'm not just getting up and teaching you whatever it is I need to teach you. I'm awake and I'm curious about you. And I want to know more about you because you're going to run the world that I live in when I'm old. She's and done this since Columbine. I love it. And, you know, she says, why doesn't everybody do this? If everybody did this, it's, it's simple, it's easy. The kids don't know what's going on. They think they're going to get an award on Friday. You know, it's good for them, their, their self-esteem. But really, this is what she's looking for. Who are you picking on? Who are you bullying? Who is the one that's not popular today? And that, so if you think about that, that one ripple, okay, so she makes a connection. That one ripple will have thousands of miles of expansion as that child gets recognized or acknowledged or included, or if something is seriously going on in their life, it gets found out so that it can be addressed. Right. Instead of us going la, 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 and, you know, not wanting to see what's right in front of us. And I think that's really the aspect of, of curiosity and consciousness. I mean, that's really awake leadership. So let's, let's take that concept into the boardroom I and mean, let's take it into the, in, into the culture of an organization. You know, should we be looking for those, you know, they're intelligent, they're smart, but they're social misfits. Uh, does it matter? Well, yeah, could, but maybe not from the perspective. Not from a perspective of I'm going to shoot everybody. Yeah, it's going to be trouble. But I'm thinking in particular of, of an organization that, um, that I have worked really, um, really deep into the organization. And there's a young woman um, who a couple of years ago was terrifically introverted. And the judgment was, oh, she's introverted, so she should be doing something that introverts do. And, Secretarial work or something. Whatever, yeah. yeah. Um, so... But she, she took my leadership class, and, and I do um, an initial six-month program with many of the, of the groups that I work with, and it's a signature program, and over six months, it's a drip, 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 drip of constant, you know, this personal leadership, constant skills and awareness around that, and the end of the class, she just bloomed. Well, I just had a conversation with her today, and she said, and I looked at her, and I said, you are, you are not an introvert anymore. I can't call you an introvert anymore. You've really come into your own. Well, we could have dismissed her. Yeah. She's an introvert. She'll always be doing blah, blah, blah. But you know what career she's going to pursue right now? Sales. 
Good for her. That's not an introvert's career. Yeah. No, no. Good for her. Yeah. So, so, and it wasn't just me. I mean, there were other people in the organization who said, there's a spark about her. Let's take a look and see if there are skills beyond how she's hiding herself. And don't you know there were? Yeah. I love that. I love that idea. And good for you to, you know, and her too, to to pick that out because I, I think it's really important. And, you know, modeling behavior is really important. And you know, I heard somebody once tell me, I go, how did you do that? Oh, I pretended I was you. <laughs> and you know, it, it it's funny. I bet you have this. I bet this happens to you. I, I laugh. I have clients who say to me, this is, I was actually talking to somebody about this yesterday. They, they say, you know, when I'm in a bind and I think that I have this little person on my shoulder and that says, what would Mary Pat do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. Exactly. And they go, okay, I'll, I'll pretend I'm her for the day and I'll just go out there and do it. And it works. I mean, it works in acting. It's got to work in real life too, right? If you think about it. So yeah, so it kind of takes us back to the beginning is that, you know, to be an observer of life because you have to bring it to life on the stage. Yeah. It's not any different from being a leader in an organization. You've got to be an observer of your own life and of your own stuff and, and really work to overcome it because you got to bring that into your organization. That's your theater. Yeah. That's your stage. And if you aren't able to appropriately take the character and bring it to authentic life, you're not successful on stage. You won't be successful in your organization. Well, and let's look at the reverse then. We have a character who is, you know, a JFK, let's say, or or even a Trump, who, who charismatic maybe, or Trudeau who was charismatic, um, but, and I'm not going to say they're not smart, but charismatic outwardly um, and maybe not so much going on inside. I don't know. But in the workplace, you could have a leader who's wicked smart, can do all that stuff, but he can't communicate and he can't, um, he's not a people person, but he, you know, it's his business. He, he developed the thing and, and, but people are like, ah, you know, like he he needs my clients. Those are your clients. (laughs) Yeah. Cause exactly. Those are your clients. Like either they need to develop themselves or they need to develop a good right hand. I don't know. Well, that's actually not true. So I want to, you know, okay, let's do it. We're going to watch this. I have highly emotionally intelligent clients for the most part, but then I also look at organizations and sometimes the, the CEO or the leader will bring me in because they've got a team member or a president or a COO or somebody in the organization that doesn't have, um, the same kind of emotional intelligence that they want in their culture. And so that lack of emotional intelligence gets found out and it's really going to get found out with this next generation in the workplace because they are BS monitors. They just, they just know if you're, if you're phoning it in or if you're playing a character, but there's no substance underneath, you're going to get found out. So I, I, you know, I really admire when the CEO looks around and says, one, I've either reached the top of my skill and I need another set of skills to get us there. Or I'm looking at the team saying, we need some emotional intelligence here so that we're collaborating and communicating and making the choices that are appropriate as a team to build the organization. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going to segue back to yes. presidents because you sang at the White House for the president and you sang, uh, Pierre Trudeau was there, you said? Yeah, and, Trudeau. Yeah. And was it Carter? Who, who, who was it? Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter yeah. was the president. Oh, I love Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Was he as now, nice how, as he seemed? 
How old is your How old is your um, prime minister now? How old is Trudeau? Trudeau's you know? son. His son yeah. is the prime minister. Uh, he's like in his thirties, late. 30s, All right, so I, I probably sang at the White House before he was born. <laughs> oh, for sure you did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Born what did you dead. sing? What did you sing? Um, I was with a group. It was our. Um, it was. Um, you know, I was a, a younger teenager, and it was uh, 1976, which is our 1776 yeah, yeah. centennial. And so I was with a group that had put together just it was. So, such so smart of them to do it. They put together a centennial celebration of all the songs through the history of the U.S. Oh, cool! And so I don't even remember what song I sang. Two of them. I don't remember what they were right now, but I sang with a group of about ten other people, and we were there in our little teenage. Oh red, wow! Outfits. Yeah, yeah. It was really. It was very special. It really is. You know, I think about it back then, and I'm like, how blessed was I? I mean, like, what leprechaun? whispered in my ear when I was born that I was able to do that. That's yeah, a really, cool that's a really cool experience. Yeah. And uh, did you meet Rosalind? I did. I love her. I did meet her. Yeah. Um, and Jimmy Carter, who I have a tremendous Me amount. Me too. Oh. I just love, I don't know. Just something radiates from that, that couple is just so beautiful. It's love. Yeah. It's it love. It's love. Yeah. They, they do. They really do. Yeah. And social responsibility. I mean, you think about what, how, what you've dedicated your life to Frankie. Yeah. I mean, of course you love the Carters because they're all about what you're all about. That's it. You know? Yeah. And I worked, I worked on, on, uh, Trudeau seniors campaign. I just loved him. I did. Yeah. <laughs> yes. so I met him too. So that was pretty, that was and pretty I met cool. Mrs. Trudeau as well. Oh, did you? <laughs> that was Margaret at the time, was it? Yes, yes. <laughs> Crazy Margaret. Sorry, U.S.-Canadian connection here. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's so funny. Oh, wow. I, I was actually, I was living in the States in 76, though. Oh. So, yeah, I just, uh, I was just coming back here, though. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. So Very going fun. back to emotional intelligence, because that, that's something that people like, well, I, I'm intelligent uh, and I have emotions. So what does that mean in the real world? Like, you know, what am I looking for to say, am I emotionally intelligent? I did take your emotional intelligent quiz and it said that I was emotionally intelligent. <laughs> so yay for me. And you but, are. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, but what does it, what does it mean? What would you be looking for? What kinds of, let, let's take people through a couple of the questions. Let, let's see. Yeah. Um, so let's let just kind of demystify it because I think it's a term that's being thrown around a lot. And I, you know, much. And like it was on The Bachelor too. <laughs> was it? Oh, it was on The Bachelor. Yeah. One of the girls, she was a psychologist major or whatever. And she goes, you're just not emotionally intelligent to another girl. So. See, you know, not like it's thrown. What does that it's mean? It's around, right? Yeah. What, what does, does it mean? mean? So um, uh, IQ is generally fixed, okay? And, is, and some, you'll argue there's, there'll be semantics around this, but it's generally not changeable. And the EQ is not fixed. Oh, and some okay. people have innate skill, and some people can develop the skill. It's their choice. But basically what it says in a very simplistic way is that um, you develop a series of skills over time, which has an implication for artificial intelligence. So let's go back to that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. But if you take a look at emotional intelligence, you, you have like a matrix, okay? So you've got, you know, a big, a big cross in the middle of your page. And on the left-hand side, it's all about the self. It's all about me. And on the right-hand side, it's all about you. On the left-hand side, at the very simplest form, I recognize I have emotions. I'm experiencing an emotion, all right? I don't tamp it down. I don't do it. I just recognize, oh, I have joy. I have anger. I have fear. I have sadness. I have whatever it is. I recognize it. I think we spend eons of our life on doing whatever we can to deny we have emotions. And that creates a lot of wonkiness and a lot of trouble. 
So on the left-hand side, the very, very top, I have emotions. So if it makes sense that I have emotions, and let's just say some of those emotions are going to trigger me, on the bottom part of that left-hand side means there's, I have to find a way to manage those emotions. It's really important for corporate leadership because you, you think about the people go around beating their chest or screaming or yelling or having, you know, a tirade or, or acting on, you know, what's in the news now, acting on, you know, sexual harassment because they're, you know, they're in a trigger, whatever it is, they've not managed their emotion. So they let the trigger get the better of them. So part of it is you have a choice about how you manage your emotion. Now go over to the other side. The other side is about you. And so if I have emotions, doesn't it make sense that you would too? And so yeah. do you think it might require me to have some compassion for the fact that you're experiencing emotions? So I don't have to go into judgment or criticism, but then what I have to do on the bottom left-hand side is I have to make a choice about how I manage the relationship. So do I need to listen more intently? Do I need to offer you feedback? Do I need to mirror back the emotion that you're experiencing? Do I need to call the time out? Do we need to create a plan of action? I mean, you make a choice about how to honor and manage the relationship. Okay, so that's in a nutshell what EQ is about. Okay, so let me just stop you there for a moment. Yeah. You, have a, you have an opportunity to respond or react. Right. I recognize that I'm feeling angry and I'm going to scream at everybody because I want everybody to know it. Yeah. And my employees are going, oh my God, she's on the rampage again. She's yelling and screaming and about nothing, so to speak. But something's happening to make her upset. And whether it was a trigger at work or a trigger that from home, who knows, right? doesn't matter. Five years old. Yeah. Yeah. So as the recipient of that emotion, what is my role? So that's a really good question. So part of it is you may not be able to do much about it to impact someone else to change. Maybe, maybe not. But what you can do is you can control your own response because guess what? You're not triggered. Right. Right. And so you have an invitation to go off to drama land around, you know, what has just happened, or you have um, an experience, uh, you have an opportunity to experience your own response, which is to say, this doesn't mean anything about me. This is this person, this is a reverse compassion. This person's expressing a frustration, what's going on for them. It doesn't have to mean anything about me. What can right. I do to make myself feel good or safe? Then the next higher level, and this is what we learn in, in, in the training that I do, is how do you then go back and give the feedback that says the impact of what just happened on me and the rest of the team is this, and I don't think that's what you want. How can I support you? That takes a lot of courage, doesn't it? It does, and especially if they're calling your name. Yeah. <laughs> Mary Pat, you didn't do that. Mary Pat, ah. Right well, think about it. I, I have to tell you, I have, about me. Uh, I have a name. natural, natural defense mechanism when somebody offers me feedback. It's the way I'm wired. Yeah. I'm never, ever going to be the leader and the role model that I want to be if I don't take a deep breath. When someone offers me feedback and I'm triggered like, what? Me? me. <laughs> if I don't take a deep breath and say, tell me what you see, because I think I'm in a blind spot, then I miss an opportunity yeah. for a huge gift. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, and, and I, I'm going to admit it happened to me last week. Um, you poke and you poke and you poke that bear and the bear is going to, I mean, you, you can keep it contained for a long time, but eventually one day you just blow it. Yeah. And I blew, you know, I knew I did wrong, but so I took it back. I took it back. Yeah. Yeah. I took it back and I took responsibility for my action and I said, you know, I'm sorry. And I did it. 
I didn't want to do it, but I guess that day I did want to do it. Yeah. And it felt yeah. childish and good. <laughs> Welcome to being a human being. Yeah, you know? Exactly. But I then, don't walk on water. As yeah. <laughs> I let's, but let's pull that apart for just a minute. I think that's, I think that's really, that's what you just shared is valuable. And there must've been something about last week. Cause guess what? So did I go there. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there must've been something. Let's yeah. just say it's in the, the moon. The moon okay? <laughs> it was in the um, so um, um, let's kind of pull that apart for just a minute. Okay. So, you had a trigger and you had an involuntary response to the trigger. All right. And you, cause you got poke, 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 one poke too many. All right. Blah. All right. So you took a fork in the road that takes you to the land of drama. So here's what happens. The expression of that blah makes you feel good for half a second more time. Yeah. But whew, you got expressed. Okay. You got expressed. All right. And then, you're off to drama land because how much time did you have to spend cleaning up the mess? Maybe not much for you, but think about the organization observing this. How much time do you have to spend cleaning up the mess? Yeah. And you know, a long time because people have long memories and you know, the one thing that I, I learned in corporate was take responsibility because all your power comes back to you when you take responsibility. Right. And it feels really good. Yeah, it does. And you know what? You might feel humble um, your ego might take a hit, but guess what? The rest of the organization is watching it anyway. So there's no secret. So if you own it, then you say, look, I am creating safety here because I see it and I'm volunteering to work on it. And what does that role model to the people who are wanting to follow you? Yeah. So she's pretty smart. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we are, we're all human beings and sometimes you can't control it, but you know, I've worked with people who said, I don't have feelings. They literally said, I don't have feelings. And maybe they were shut down. Maybe they don't recognize it. Maybe, you know, and I've said this for a while, and I don't know if if you've come across this or not, but oftentimes men have have a very short lexicon for the feelings that they have. And so they they don't have the minutia that women have in in describing what they're feeling. And so they're angry or sad or happy or not. Minutia, I love that. Like we can really tell you how we're feeling, right? Okay. We have enough time here. Uh... <laughs> but d- does that make sense? Like, have you come it across? It does. So you, here's, um, uh, I think this um, might be a little shortcut to it. Um, sometimes you can't talk in terms of emotion. So you might have to talk in terms of behavior. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe you're not talking about anger, but you're talking about the behavior of blowing up. Okay. Or maybe you're not talking about, um, uh, you know, defensiveness, but you're talking about the behavior of pushing someone off. And when you couch it in behavior, and then you talk about the impact of that behavior, it can create create a desire to change. Now you're going to hook into emotions that you may never own or express, but you can't deny the behavior because it's factual. It's right there in front of you. Now the emotions, you can push down. What I find in the work that I do is I love the men in my work. I, I love you men in my work because um, it is just incredible to see the emotional lexicon that gets developed Yeah. when we focus on behavior. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so is there a common behavior? I mean, everybody's different, obviously, but is there like a common theme among some of the, the people that you do work with as far as behavior in the workplace that you tend to work on over and over? Defensiveness, um, anger. Um, I work. I work um, 
we're probably going to talk more about behavior than feelings right now with this is that um, I work a lot with the Cartman drama triangle, the villain victim hero uh, Cartman drama triangle. Okay. I haven't heard of that before. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, it, and it, it's, it's a brilliant um, body of work that was developed, I, I think originally to deal, to deal with um, families uh, of addicted people. So people okay. who are alcoholics or drug addicts or whatever. And it talked about the dynamic um, in, in a family, which I now talk about it in terms of a business environment of how you flip around from villain, victim and hero. And you can be the villain, the victim or the hero in a 30 second period. Sure. Yeah. And so um, what I love is that when people see that in themselves, that actually provokes a huge desire to change. Who wants to be a victim? However, if you are a victim, if you don't own it, it's going to be a subversive part of your life, your entire life. Mm -hmm. I I mean, don't you know people in your life who are chronically complaining? Oh, chronic victim. Yeah. Yeah. Chronic victims. And do you know other people in your life who are constantly nitpicking, fault finding and criticizing? And then the others are going to swoop in to save the day, whether the day needs to be saved or not. You know, yeah. those are our heroes. And so part of what's really cool in, in this environment is you begin to see the behaviors that are associated with that. So villains criticize. They fault find. What they, are martyrs? Are they villains? Martyrs to me. Oh, I love martyrs. Martyrs. Um, and so, so interesting. After you asked me to speak to you, I really found a hidden martyr pattern in myself. Ah! <laughs> So I'm always a student of this because I'm just two steps ahead, you know, to, to, to bring that awareness to you. But the martyr to me is that character that sits right in the middle of hero and victim. Okay. So I'm, I have to do it because I don't have any power of choice over this, but I'm going to do it to serve the world and I will take the hit for everybody. That's the martyr right in the middle. And oh, by the way, recognize me for being the martyr. (laughs) So I wrote to you about, you asked about some stuff that we could do great things. I was talking to you about uh, being a single parent and and paying college tuitions. Well, guess what? That's my secret martyr pattern. Okay. I'm so happy that I can contribute and that I have the wherewithal to contribute. But when I really started to pull it back, it's, I get a lot of goodies when someone says, Oh, you're a single parent and you're able to pay three college tuitions. Goodies, goodies, goodies. Right. Oh, that was really ugly to look at. So I have an opportunity now. Okay. To say, explain to me how that's a martyr. Cause you know what? That, I, I think that that's kudos for you. I do. Thank you. I do. And I don't think that to me, that doesn't scream martyr. It, it says you're unstoppable. So you it does. This. Yes, I am. However, I have used it to stop me. Okay. How? So that is where it is, where I say, oh, I can't do this thing that I want to do. I can't do this thing because that I want to do because I have to do this. I mean, where is that familiar? And anyone who's watching this, where is that familiar? It's not a pretty pattern. So I'm, I guess From I'm really- the Salvation Army <laughs> at Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so that's, so to me, yes, kudos to me. I am unstoppable because everywhere I turn, I'm given the resources that I need and I find the resources that I need to prevail. Um, so I am unstoppable and I will honor that and own that. When I've used that sacrifice to stop me from being unstoppable. That's the martyr. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. We Interesting. Can things. We can do hard things unless we use it as an excuse not to live our full blown authentic lives. Wow. Okay. So people get to recognize when they're playing the villain. Yeah. 
And okay, so back to that. <laughs> so, so oh, we can talk about the martyr more. <laughs> I, I will help them to see the behavior around it because the behavior is undeniable. And there's certain there's certain victim behaviors too: the blaming, the subversive gossiping, the the, the feeling helpless or powerless, and how that's expressed. And then you go over to the hero, which is you know, um, um, I'll pay the rent. You know, the whole you know, doubly do right thing. I, I I I will do it. I will be the one who stays late. I will be the one. I can give you the advice. You you can talk to me because I know what you're going through. I've got a line of people outside my door who are seeking my advice, which I, I think a lot of coaches um, sometimes have to struggle. We with do, that, yeah. You know, because we're not the advice givers. We're the great question askers. Exactly. That's leadership. The other one is hero. Yeah. So, so anyway, to, to, to kind of go full circle, that's the kind of behavior that I start to see. And as we start to pull that apart, um, other behaviors, you know, like an onion skin, the other behaviors start to pop up and people start to own them. And it actually becomes kind of fun and comical. I mean, we, we, nobody takes offense anymore. You're acting like a victim. Someone says you're acting like a victim. Oh yeah. I am. You know, so I just went on another rampage. <laughs> uh, no, it's good. I'm glad we got time. We got lots of time for rampages. Um, animals and children are the best teachers i think so talk about that i like to, i can talk about animals all day so. <laughs> um i um and i agree with you by the way but let's yeah talk. i think i you know i and i think about it and I, I know this sounds trite but it's true my um, children have been my greatest teachers mm-hmm. they call bs on mom a lot so they keep me humble they keep me grounded they keep me centered and they're really wicked smart. So they also keep me yearning and learning for more. Um, their adventures inform me. Their skinned knees inform me. And they help me to show up as um, a, a better, more loving, more curious human being. Or not. Because they, I can also show up as the meddling mother who wants to give advice all the time until they put their hand up and say, talk to the hand, mom. Yeah. And I can say, oh, look at what I'm doing. So they've been fabulous, wonderful teachers, and they will continue to be teachers. What age group are they? Um, they're all young adults now. So I've got a 22, a 23, and a 25-year-old. Okay. Yeah. So it's interesting because as we move into and through midlife, and our children grow and are grown. And I have one sitting down there listening to me right now. Who's 29, going to be 30. Um, and, and I got quite a few of them. You know, it's difficult sometimes to back off because, Mom, how do I do this? Or, Mom, how do you do that? And you're in that, that mode. And it's like, no, I don't, I don't need your advice. I don't want you there. Like, it's like, wait, you know, I'm your mom. And I'm always going to be your mom. And I'm always going to love you. And I'm always going to, you know. But as they go and come back... <laughs> go <laughs> and come you back know, with their, and come back with their dogs yeah exactly <laughs> i got one of those here too um you know it's it is it, confusing at times because you want to you always want to give the best yeah. advice and you always want to be helpful and i recognize that being helpful isn't always doing something for them yeah yeah i get that um but when they go away and, and you have the empty nest or whatever, and like you jump with a chance to, yeah, I'll do it. I'll help you. Right? 
Yeah. And I think actually that's the, the time that where it needs to be resisted the most. I mean, in my experience, and it actually, it's so interesting that you're saying that because as you were saying that, I was thinking about the leaders in my organizations because that's actually what they go through too. I know best. I've been here for 30 years. I can tell you, I can tell you, let me give you my advice. When really I, the thing I said earlier is, you know, to be the best coach, to be the best leader, to be the best mentor, you got to be the best question asker, or, you know, yeah. and so, you know, with my kids, I am, I get it, Frankie. I'm so tempted to say, and I do trust me a greater part of the part of the time I'm doling out advice. I mean, it's just, we're wired We're moms. We're wired to go a lot of advice. But more and more, I catch myself lately. Like my son um, lives in Paris. Um, God love him. He's just living a great life in Paris. And yeah, unfortunately got his phone stolen. So oh. I'm like, as a mom, I'm like, let me fix it. Well, I can't fix it. I'm here in the U.S. in, yeah. in France. And but so, you go to the end of the world to try to fix it. You would. I did. I Googled everything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but then he had a final question for me today. And I had to say to him, you know, I really don't know the answer to that. But I think if you Google it, you're probably going to get the response that you need, or you're going to get the, yeah. get your question answered. But it would have been really easy for me to say, hold on, let me pull up my com- computer. But thank God I had to talk to you. So I couldn't do it. There you go. Saved yeah. <laughs> ah, I saved you. Yay. No, but it's, it's true. And you know, that, that is one, one thing, like I, I have people, you know, writing to me as well and they go, Oh, I know how to, you know, you're writing a book on this. I've got the perfect. And I go, I'll decide if that's the perfect person for me because you don't know where I'm coming from. You, you haven't asked the question yet. Right. Yeah. And I get that the people in the organization has been there the longest. I'll tell you, but that's not the information you're looking for. And yeah. what, what is good about those people is that they have the history of the organization. And so they have that memory that the new people do not have. And sometimes when, you know, I've seen where the organization throws everybody out and nobody's left with that, with that history right. and everybody's like, well, I don't know what to do. I, right. Okay. Hard for them to accept new systems, hard for them to accept, you know, other things, but there is something about continuity and, and having a historical reference I agree. in an organization. Yeah. I agree. Well, I think if you have a, a true transformational leader um, who really is committed to staying awake and, and, and pulling out the best that they can, of, you know, all the people who are involved, um, that uh, that hopefully is not going to happen because they're going to see that the answers are in the collective wisdom. Yeah. And yeah. so it's, it's a combination of the, the 23 year old who's entering, who knows every tech thing from, you know, one side of the moon to the other to the 65 year old who's been in the organization for a good number of years. How do you combine those two for collective wisdom? I really do think that's kind of an interesting and wonderful leadership challenge moving forward. Yeah. It is. And one thing I remember doing on a team was I had a real pain in the neck person on my team. <laughs> she was such a pain in the ass. And, and so, and she kept, well, what would you, what would you do? What would you do? I go, you know what? You go find the answer and bring it back. You be in charge of that. And, yeah. and she needed to be in charge of something. So be in charge of that. And yeah. you know what? You give it to the person who, who's the most negative and the most, and they, then they have to become the most positive. Because then they become your champions. It's, it's so yeah. wise. They become, yeah. Because they own it. They have ownership. And not only that, now they have, you know, they have cachet. They've got, you know, they've got recognition. And then they become your champions. Exactly. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so let's talk about how the animals. Okay. Animals to me, um, I have a love-hate because I love animals. Um, I only have a cat left in my life now. I have one cat left in my life. And um, I have a love-hate with my cat because my cat was feral. <laughs> so the cat, um, the cat loves me, but I can't pick the cat up. You can't love the cat. You can't love the cat in the way 
I want to love. Exactly. I have a dog like that. Okay, good. So you know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. So Puffs is the name of my cat. He's very upset that I named him Puffs, but he's Puffs. Of course. Yeah. Why would you give me such a Femi name? (laughs) Um, But what he has taught me is um, I have to love that cat the way the cat requires love. Yes. So for me to try to um, over overbear and put my version of love on top of that cat means I'm going to be scratched up. I'm going to be, yeah. you know, I'm going to have scratches from head to toe because the cat gets scared. Gets That's scared. what we call the platinum rule, <laughs> right? Don't, don't, you know, yes. love okay. me like, like you love me like you, right? Like do your, what you need, not what I need. You know, the golden rule was treat others as, as right. you treat yourself right now. We're going to treat others as they wish to be treated. And that is what's so important. Yes. The platinum rule we call it. And, that, and I love the platinum rule. Thank you for reminding me of that because that's conscious leadership. Yeah. That is, that is what, and conscious leadership really is all about love. I mean, let's just use the word. Okay. It is about love. I, I love what I do. I'm passionate about what I do. I love you. I love the organization. I love what you can become. I love the possibilities that we're creating together. And I don't have to have my way because you're going to require me to customize my lead, my leadership or my behavior or my personality or communication style. I'm going to have to customize to what's going to make you the best version of you or support you, not make you support you to be the best version of you. So Puffs the cat actually demonstrates that to me on a regular basis. Now I haven't been in corporate for a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. Do they do, do they still do three sixties? Um, you know, some do, and I think there you know there are many schools of thought about it. There are some who are very 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 rabid three sixty. I'm kind of in the anti three sixty, except if the three sixty is done when you train someone to ask for the feedback and receive the feedback personally. Yeah. I used to really like that because sometimes you don't know what people think about you. <laughs> so it's kind of nice. But the anonymous stuff actually is hurtful, I think, because then you can, you can put all kinds of meaning yeah. anonymous yeah. stuff, you know? It's kind of nice who's giving it to know who's giving it to you. Yeah. yeah. But, I but I think it is a, we do need to learn how to accept the feedback. And I mean, it is personal because it is about you. Yeah. Don't take it personally, <laughs> but you know, but the butt is there. So it is personal. Um, how do you teach people that? Feedback's a big, big, big part of um, my yeah, coaching and my group work. It's a huge part of it because, um, uh, and we have a feedback formula that we teach to offer feedback, but then we pull the formula away. It's only a way to create safety, but the receiving of the feedback really, talk about an EQ, it really stirs up some emotions that, you know, that you know, like me. That's not true. That's that's not true about me. Um, What we work on and really there's the mantra that's adopted by the time that I'm finished working with my groups or my individuals is feedback is a gift, no matter how it's wrapped. And sometimes it's wrapped in a crap package. Mm. It just is. So part of it is to say, um, the feedback is being offered to me. Let me open this gift to see if it is a gift for me. And if it is, let me work with it so that that I know it was intended for my betterment. So even though I might feel pinched or closed off or want to be defensive or deny it, it took someone courage to offer me that, even if they did it in a clunky way because they were uncomfortable. So what's in that package for me? And and, it, and, and much like the same way if I were to say to you, oh, Frankie, I don't think that brown hair works for you. You don't have brown hair. That feedback's not for you. That, that's about me. You now I'm colorblind or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
So we're able to evaluate it when we get neutral about and then and then honor the intent and then have compassion that not everybody is going to be able to give skilled feedback to you. It takes a lot of courage to open your mouth to someone. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. So are there trends happening now in your work? Are there new trends in, in, I mean, you teach, you know, the, the leadership master six week course and, uh, are, but are there trends now? I know we, we hit on a little bit, but you know, oh, it, the magazines yeah. are coming out and this is the new thing. I think there's a couple of <laughs> things that we probably want to talk about is one, um, um, the role of technology in learning. Oh yeah. We need to, to hit on that. Yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be, I think big, um, and it might just intelligence we were going to talk about. Yeah. So it might just be my um, experience or my bias. I do think this kind of work is done really, really, really well in a group or one-on-one personally, like that you have a personal touch. However, I am experimenting with offering this exact same curriculum um, in a virtual format. So actually we're going to launch that in April. So I'm going to, and I, and I have piloted it. I've done a beta, three different betas on it. It's actually worked really well. So I've got to challenge my own bias about this. But um, so technology is big. Artificial intelligence is the Uber technology. And so one of the things that's interesting, if you look at some of the studies, artificial intelligence, they believe um, in very short order is going to be able to replicate emotional intelligence and communication skills. So because it's a series of repeatable tasks over time that you master. So they're going to be able to um, replicate, you know, good eye contact or active listening or, you know, nodding or whatever it is, whatever it is, what artificial intelligence will never have though is the heart and soul. Right. So they're not going to have the, you know, whatever that connection is that allows you to be curious in the moment to adjust in the moment. They're going to pick up on your cues, you know, your facial, your body language or whatever, and, um, and begin to adjust their responses to that. So it will go hand in hand. I mean, I think artificial intelligence is going to have, it's going to disrupt the customer service industry like crazy. It's going to disrupt it like crazy, but it will not um, ever take the place. I think of that curious question, the, the hope for you to grow. Love. But you know, I mean, we've, I've been on the phone and, you know, give us, give us your number, give us, tell us what you want, you know, that, and, and sometimes it just doesn't get you and you're like, okay, a real person, just give me a real person, please. I want to talk to a real person right now. <laughs> They're like, yeah. and, and what department was that again? <laughs> no, real person. Zero. I, I'm number. always going operator, operator, operator. <laughs> operator. <laughs> because is it our age that we want a real person? Or is it this like, they're not getting it. I need a real person. For me, it's expediency. So because yeah. if I have to go through one hoop to another hoop to another hoop to another hoop. Yeah, and with the band, four, ten know, times. <laughs> it's like, get me, to the, get me to the church on time, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I do like to talk to a real person. I do too. I, I like too. to talk to a real person because I want them to, to customize that for me or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, you, you, let's, let's customize this experience so that it's good for me. Because Artificial intelligence isn't always the way to go. It's not. And because you know what, if you, at the very end of the day, Frankie, and I mean, and you know this, I mean, animals or people, but let's talk about humans now. Okay. We want to be seen. Yes. We want to be validated, validated, recognized. We want to mean something in the world. And it doesn't mean we have to be, you know, the next president of the United States, but we want to have meaning. I mean, we talk about in the workplace, the highest value now is just 
this is the, I'm going to get paid. I know it. Okay. And I'm either, I'm going to have a career trajectory or I'm going to make one for myself. Okay. So I got that. Does the work I do have meaning? And some of that meaning has to come from the interaction with the leaders and, and oh, the and boss knew my leaders. name today. <gasps> Woohoo! Right? Yeah. Yes. Right. I'm seen. Yeah. I'm seen. Yeah. 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 They like I that. Work. People like that. And I think it's important. Well, I work a lot in the, um, the hotel and hospitality industry and, and there, you know, you've got some of your general managers who will um, you know, stay in their office because they're better off doing their reports and stuff. But the ones who are really super successful are the ones who are out and who know their employees' names, who know their associates' birthdays, who are finding out what they did on the weekend, or just even when there's a language barrier, having yeah. just a little bit of a touch point, those are joyous hotels. And you can feel that when you walk into a you hotel. Can. You can feel it. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, it was, it was funny because um, my dad, my dad had started a business in his eighties and they were telling, and he, yeah, well he, he had to. Um, and they, you know, the employees were saying the one thing that they loved was he always knew their name. He knew their kids' names. He knew things and he'd been a salesman his whole life. I mean, he'd been a CEO, but he'd been a really, yes, you're a salesman. Right. And, and I'm the same way. It's like, I've always remembered people's names. I've always, you know, those, those little things, nuggets about them. People like that. They like to know that, that, that you knew that. And it makes them feel comfortable and makes them want to do business with you. And, you know, I don't know why that's so difficult, but for some people it is difficult to remember those details. Well, here's why for me, um, I've always struggled with names. And so I've had to play games with myself to remember the names, but I never, ever forget a detail about you because I'm just curious. So I'll have people, you know, at the, um, I'm moving on to this, the second half of the advanced work that I do with the, the teams that I'm remembering what they told me in the first class. And they're like, how did you remember that? Well, it becomes important to me. Yeah. So I've had to make names important to me too, because I've always struggled with the names. Yeah. Well, names, you know, and especially now when there's so, so much diversity in the world and, you know, you've got a 13 digit name. <laughs> they can be hard. But <laughs> I'm just going to call you G. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, but, but the fact is like you did remember something about them and that's, yeah. that's the important thing. And, important you know, thing. I don't know if maybe, you know, artificial intelligence will or not. I don't know, but I think that there's a place for both. Like I know that people, I know somebody who developed an app for addiction and um, using gamification, yeah. almost like a nano, you know, you feed it and water it and it's going to give you a prize at the end of the day because you didn't take that drink or you didn't, you know, take the hit. I don't know why that's so important to people to get the little prize, but it seems to be. It, well, think about it. Yeah, it is important. I mean, what, what do we do as kids? We put gold stars on calendars. Right. What happens with our kids today? They, they ratchet up whatever the points are on, on the, you know, Xbox game they're playing, you know? Uh, yeah, it is. Um, I think we're wired to be seen and to be given recognition. For the one actions. thing that I made sure when I was at work was to implement a volunteer program, um, a volunteer recognition program, because I do, I did want people to be recognized for the work that they did other than the work that they did on the job. Yeah. Right. And I think that says I'm looking, I'm, I'm seeing the whole you and not just the you that comes to the door, through the door and the rest of you stays at home. Right. Yeah, that, that, I is that changing? That. Yeah, no, that, I appreciate that about you too, because here's also what kept you authentic about that is, I mean, you've got a, um, you know, from our, from our, you know, the, the conversations we've had, I, I know that you've got a real heart for social justice. Yeah. You've got a real heart for, um, 
making a difference in the world through volunteering and through activating people into, you know, into social justice. And so how authentic of you to recognize that's a strength of you as a leader and then to be able to incorporate that and include other people into your world, but then circled back out into the world. That's the work. That's yeah, the work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that too. And I think that, um, we need, I think we need to think holistically about people because they're not just the person at work. They're everything else that goes with it. And that's part of the emotional intelligence. I had a really bad day. I screamed at you, but you know, my sitter didn't show up and the teachers are expelling my kid and you know, uh, right. Yeah. Please forgive me. Oh, what is that? What is it? I don't, I'm not going to say it right. What yeah. Is hope, 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 yeah. Thank you. You know what I'm talking about. I know which one you know. (laughs) Open, open, open. Please forgive me. I love you. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. whatever. You know, but that's just, that's the whole notion is, you know, when we say, you know, if we say, you know, the the younger managers who want to have positional power and say, I'm going to write you up for being late. And I'm like, you know, dude, why don't you find out why she's late? You know, my kid has a special need and has to get to school by this time. And I can't get to the transportation on time. All right. We'll have some compassion and make an adjustment. Right. There's so much that we can do today. Flexibility wise, you know, you've got a cell phone, you've got a laptop, you've got an iPad, you've got a whatever, like does being at that physical desk make a difference? If it doesn't be flexible, right? Exactly. Exactly. Right. And that, that is seeing the holistic uh, humanity of of a person and being able to adjust, you know, and sometimes you can't adjust. You're going to do what you can, but if you can, then, you know, have some compassion. I mean, for heaven's sake, there's going to be a time that you step in mud too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. <laughs> so you wrote a book. I got to ask you about your book. How, how, tell me, tell me how, how it's, you wrote it. Cause I loved the concept of your book. Do you mind if I reverse engineer this? for this Yeah, segment? yeah, sure. Take over. I, would you, <laughs> would you would, tell me about your book? Um, the the I Buried My Chest book? Yes. I Buried My Chest, uh, 21 Unstoppable Women Get Naked. And we are launching the book. I'm having a launch the official Amazon launch day on Facebook Live, March 7th, going into March 8th, because it's going to be part of the International Women's Day. Oh, yay. Well. yay. So maybe you'll come and talk to me on March 7th. And we're going to be pushing the book on Amazon, but we're also going to be talking about women in history that, that we admire and uh, a 24-hour stream. I love it. I love it. Everyone an unstoppable book-a-thon. An unstoppable bookathon. Everyone show up. Okay, this is really important. Um, when I read the concept of your book and I thought, saw what you put together, I was like, oh, this is, this is a book the world needs. I'm so happy that you're able it's to. It's awesome. And it came together and the audio is, the audible book is out now and the ebook and the hardcover book. And it's almost like 700 pages and it's like, yay, big. It's very heavy. Uh, <laughs> but it's exciting. It's exciting. And I'm really excited to, I think I'm having the very first Facebookathon. Yeah, so that's kind of fun. Yeah, I'm going to make history with history on history. And I thought it was appropriate, you know, to go into International Women's Day. Um, So 7 a.m. from the Wednesday, the 7th, into International Women's Day on the 7 a.m. on the the Thursday. Um, So I'm hoping that people will join us. And I know a lot of the ladies are are going to be traveling. Some will be in Europe at the um, women's conferences around the world. And they'll be picking up women to to invite and spend an hour with them as, as they do it. So 
Well, thank you for asking about that. I appreciate that. <laughs> so I'm not going to ask you one more question, okay? Yeah. So if you think about women in history, okay, because, you know, and you know I have a – uh, I have a thought bias that 2018 really is starts really starts the year of the revolution. Now it could be the teenagers or it could be the women. Okay. But it does start a year of revolution of leadership where we claim don't blame, where we're not victimized, where there's a, a real sense of changing the trajectory. I mean, what did Steve Bannon say? Okay. You know, Steve Bannon, who was the Breitbart guy. Okay. President Trump's guy um, said, um, Oh my heavens, this is going to change 10,000 years of patriarchal history. And I'm like, yeah, darn right. Let's do it. Um, so with that in mind, who's, who is one of the women in history you most admire? Oh, wow. Um, I have a lot of women in history that I admire. A lot of them are, are women who, who, not suffragette, but women, women who, like a Rosa Parks, mm-hmm. totally admire, you know, women who stood up for injustice, obviously, because yeah, yeah. I can't stand it. Um, yeah. And, and I was going to actually, I, there's a woman coming on, I'm not going to say her name yet, um, but she was the first woman female helicopter pilot in, yeah. And like, that's really exciting. Like, unstoppable. <laughs> I like unstoppable women. I like it. I like women who, who aren't afraid to do the job. You know, I, th- I think that, that, who's yours? You know what? The one who comes to mind is Harriet Tubman. Yeah, yeah. I just, when I think about the risks that that person took and how many people that she was able to shuttle to a new way, to, to transform their lives in a new way, taking tremendous risks and having courage. I just, you know, wow. I have a friend here who is a sixth generation, um, uh, uh, he's six generations now Canadian, but whose sick ancestor brought everybody through to Canada from the Underground Railroad. And so they celebrate every year. They have the Emancipation Festival, which I've been to, which is a lot of fun. And, you know, I mean, it's so exciting and it's interesting, so interesting how, you know, in the quilts, they put code in them. And, you know, if you knew the code, then you'd know where to go. And like, wow. Yeah. That's wow. fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Good conversation. I know. We'll have to do another show. <laughs> but yeah, I love that. And I, I do. I just love anybody who has, um, you know, I mean, for me, like a Clarence Darrow, but he's not a woman. But if he was, he'd be like top yeah. of my list, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So we have been celebrating this last hour with Mary, with Mary Pat Knight Sullivan. Yeah, we have to have the last, last name on now. So that <laughs> you have so many names, man. What is Sullivan is the maiden name. It's on your Facebook so that all your high school friends can find you. So Mary Pat <sighs> Sullivan Knight is such a mouthful, right? But so Mary Pat There you Knight. go. Tell us how we can get, how we can find you. Okay. So if you want to, if you want to visit my website, it's uh, leaders, it's plural. Yeah, don't do leadership. Do leaders. Do leadership. <laughs> Leadersinspired.com. Um, you can always reach out to me or my team at support at leadersinspired.com. And those emails also get funneled to me. So I see everything and you took the quiz. So maybe you might want to go and do the, the EQ quiz. And the, the link is a bit.ly link bit.ly forward slash EQ quiz 2018. Take the quiz. It's lots of fun. You'll find out how you, you know, where you are on that emotional intelligence scale. And it doesn't mean, you know, if you're low, that's the one thing you can change. That's right. And you if you change that, if you're, if you're an if expert, you're smart, then, you'll change it. <laughs> and if you're an expert, you don't want a strength to become a weakness. So yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. This was so much fun. Thank you, Frankie. Thank you for coming on. I had a great time. I hope all of you have had a great time too. We will, uh, you can, you can download this later and listen to the podcast as well. It's going to be, you know, you can drive around and listen. It'd be great. Um, but thanks. We'll be back again next week on Mission Unstoppable. Again, my guest has been Mary Pat Knight. And I'm just going to stop.